heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories I'm here with our story sommelier, Christy Wallace Hello Greetings. How are you? I got all NPR-ish. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Freaky Hi. Friday. Hey, good times. Hi, Heather. I'm doing great. How are you today? Freaky. Today? You're freaky. Feeling, feeling well, that's wonderful. You know what else is freaky? freaky? What's that? Our economy. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the economy, am I right? Um, well, I am excited about today because you told me not to read the first few stories. Mm-hmm. So I've only read my own story. So I'm about to gasp along i guess i gasped twice and then that's immediately when i texted you and was like don't read the first two because i want a genuine reaction from you so here we go i'm ready ready to roll yes we are well i'm christy i'm heather and let's get freaky this first one a follow-up to one that we just read last week if you remember from treon jackson we read a coincidence that saved my life well we love an update or a continuation and Trion has provided just that so here is part two christy and heather thank you so much for reading my story however there is so much more so get ready i was in bed that next morning i remember walking out to the kitchen to find my parents sitting at the dining table they both looked up at me with the most worried face and my mom rushed to me saying i'm so sorry we shouldn't have left you which didn't register until I remembered all that happened just the night before, hoping it had been a nightmare. Then my dad stood up with a stern face and said, Don't worry, son. We're going to call the police right now and get to the bottom of this. I remember telling them no and begging them not to. I know that may sound weird, but as a 14-year-old at the time, just starting freshman year and honestly wanting the whole situation behind me, I did not want to talk to officers or investigators. It just scared me. My parents understood, but they moved their schedules around at the time to make sure if I was home, they were home. Now let's fast forward to my senior year of high school. I am 18 years old around this time. The situation that happened nearly four years ago was feeling like a distant memory. I remember I was in the living room doing homework. As my mom was in the kitchen getting dinner prepared, my phone started to ring from an unfamiliar number. I answered. There was silence on the other end even after my attempted hellos. I remember hanging up, and then my phone rang again. This time I answered with a little more stern hello. Hey, bud, I hear on the other end, and my heart sinks to the pit of my stomach. I was frozen. The voice I heard on the other side was Randy, Sophia's boyfriend. I struggled to figure out how the hell he got my number, but I remember immediately getting up and running to my mom while putting the phone on mute. I told my mom it was Randy. She was shocked at first, but being the smart woman she is, she told me to put him on speaker, but she would stay quiet when we talked. Randy said hello, and I answered, What? Why are you calling me, and what could you want? He immediately interrupted me, saying, She wants to meet you. Sorry. She really wants to meet you. My mom put the phone on mute, 
and said for me to tell him to meet us at a park a few blocks away from our house tomorrow, and that this could be our chance to catch them. Remember in the first story when my mom caught Sophia stealing? Well, after she kicked her out, she called the police. They tried their best to find her after the incident, but couldn't. Well, my mom told me they could use the same officer in that case to come to the park as well, keep watch, and finally catch Sophia. So my mom made the call to the station, and I told Randy when and where to meet. He agreed. The next day, I had very bad butterflies leading up to the time of the meeting, but I knew it would be for the better to catch these sick individuals. It was my parents and the officer who arrived, and it was 2 in the afternoon when we all got there. We were to meet them at 2.30 p.m. My stomach twisted as I heard a car door slam, and I saw Randy get out of the driver's door, while Sophia got out of the passenger's side and started walking to us. However, everything around me froze, because it wasn't Sophia, but a clone of me, just in girl version. Yes, as she walked closer, I was staring into the eyes of my fucking twin sister, an uncanny version of me in every single way. She spoke first and said, Uh, uh, hi, my name is Gabriella. I remember stumbling back. Mom had to help me from tripping, and I immediately started crying. Randy explained everything, how Sophia was my biological mom, and she had both me and Gabriella with another man before meeting Randy. However, that man took me away while Sophia kept Gabriella. Something must have happened because I was eventually left abandoned. In the shock of everything that was going on, I became closer to Gabriella in so many ways. We're both now 21, and I mentioned to her how I was writing my submission to Freaky Friday. She will submit her side as well. Stay tuned, and thank you. Well, that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to get snatched again at the park, and there was going to be like a tussle, like you have the cop had to you know, jump in and save him. I did not expect. Also, I'm not going to lie. When he said I had a clone, I was like, they cloned him. <laughs> yeah. But I see what you mean. I see what yes, you mean. Yes, Just yes. a very similar person. That is, ah, wow. Although this is, there's a famous documentary about triplets being split at birth and then mm. ending up meeting back with yep. each other later on. So sometimes multiples, if they do end up getting split at younger ages, are oh so lucky if they get back together. Yeah, when they're, yeah. You know, usually it's on. through some kind of DNA test. But right? this, it's just someone, we don't know his intentions. Because in the first one, he was involved in the kidnapping. I'm not a fan of Randy. Now yeah. he's trying to reunite Gabriella and Treon. So I don't, I don't know. We need Gabriella's side of the story. Yeah. We're going to need more updates. We're very invested in this, and we, yeah. we can't just let it go now. No, I cannot. And I get that you're excited as a birth mom that you found your kid that you want to be reunited with, and maybe your idea is that you want to reunite them with their siblings, putting a cloth over their mouth and throwing them in the back of a car wrapped up in a uh, tarp or a blanket not the way to go no. about it. Don't do that. Just no. bring maybe bring Gabriella over. Yeah. First. It's um I'm glad the cop agreed to go. That's mm -hmm. a very scary situation to put yourself in. So Seriously. Definitely having some sort of protection. I'm honestly surprised Randy would show up because I would assume that you would think, "Oh, they're probably going to have somebody with you." Yeah, this is a sting operation yeah, for sure. So. Let's get busted. But that's the love of a mom. You know, if he's dating Sophia and is like, please take, you know, she's like, set this up. Please let the kids meet. You know, you might go, well, I'm going to risk it just in case. Maybe we'll have to wait for Gabriella's side of the story. 
and see what she has to say. Mm-hmm. Well, this next runa is from Jess, and it is called Why I Always Take the Stairs. Hey, you two. I love the podcast and particularly love the vibe between the two of you and how much you can make each other laugh. Christy cracking up at Heather's clown voice in the clowns episode still makes me laugh just thinking about it more than three years later. As an aside, if you do read this submission and you wanted to do it in the clown voice, I couldn't be more honored. Just going to take a little break here to say I'm not going to read this in the clown voice. I don't even I don't really remember it, but I would like for you to do whatever it is. So Jess can we can all hear it again. Oh, man. If I had to do I don't recall particularly, but if I had to do it, I would probably have like a cloud voice. That's also the alien voice, though, yeah. too. I feel like clown voice is a little gruffer. It's like, like raspy. Hey, hey kids. kids. Hey, you want to look in my flower on my chest? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's water. Like that. Oh, it's not water. That's tequila. We'll I'm have sorry. to go back and listen to Terramana. that. It's a great episode for many reasons. Well, back to Jess. This doesn't fit neatly into any of your Freaky Friday categories, but I knew I had to write in since listening to the Freaky Friday about the back rooms in Vegas, after which one of you was like, this is why you should always take the elevator. Here's my counter argument. I was in the first year of university in the UK. My then boyfriend and I had been together for a few months. My grandmother lived around an hour away from our university town. In 97, she'd recently moved into a care home, but the family had kept her former house in a village nearby so that people had somewhere to stay when they went to visit her. My family is pretty spread out geographically. Then boyfriend and I decided to go down and visit her with the nice little side benefit of having her house to ourselves for the weekend and all the privacy that entailed after months of hooking up in college rooms. So we traveled down on the Friday, visited my grandmother on the Saturday and headed back to the house for whatever an 18 year old's idea of a romantic dinner was. Some background on the house. It was in the middle of the countryside with no near neighbors and had been set up as two separate flats. A ground floor flat where my grandmother had lived and a first floor flat where my family stayed and where my grandmother's carers had lived before she'd moved into the home. The two flats were connected by outside stairs and also an inside lift, which I guess my grandmother had used now and again when she was still there. The lift was pretty old school, with heavy metal outer doors that automatically locked when the lift wasn't in front of them, and one of those concertina-type plastic doors on the lift itself. We were staying in the upstairs flat, and at some point after dinner, we realized we needed to grab something from downstairs. It was February in the UK, raining and windy, and neither of us fancied taking the outside stairs, so we jumped in the lift instead. Why did both of us go? No idea. And, of course, the lift got stuck, right between the two floors. For the first 10 or 15 minutes, we thought it was funny, and then reality started to set in. We were in the middle of nowhere, with no one to hear us call for help. There was an emergency call button in the lift, but it could only be heard in the house, so it was useless for us. This was the late 90s, so before mobile phones. When the lift had jammed, the power in the lift shaft had gone out, so the only light we had coming was from the tiny windows in the metal doors to the lift, and only from upstairs, as there were no lights on in the flat downstairs. Even worse, we had eaten our dinner picnic-style on the floor, see above regarding 18-year-olds' ideas of a romantic dinner, and had left candles burning on the floor. So we had a genuine fear that something would catch fire and we'd be roasted to death in a metal box. Christy and Heather, 
We were in there for 14 and a half hours. <gasps> no! In a lift so small that we couldn't both sit down at the same time. No! So we had to take turns. My then boyfriend spent literally hours throwing himself at the upper metal door to try and open it, but it didn't even budge, and he ended up with bruises all down his arms. It wasn't until it started to get light the next morning, meaning that light started to come through the window in the downstairs door, that we realized we could reach the control box at the top of the downstairs metal door. Inside, there's a kind of magnetic lever thing that you can trip to release the door, but it was behind a perspect or acrylic cover. I used one of my earrings to pry the cover off over the course of two to three hours. It finally cracked. My then-boyfriend reached inside, and the door swung open so I could jump down into the downstairs flat. Of course, we didn't have keys for that flat, so I had to force one of the windows and climb out so I could let my boyfriend out through the front door. But that was nothing compared to what we'd just gone through. I've been in plenty of more objectively dangerous situations since, but that's honestly the only time I've ever been convinced that I was going to die. And I really think we could have. There were some neighbors who kept an eye on the house, but they didn't come by regularly and were maybe a 10-minute walk away. We'd come by bus, so there was no car outside to give away the fact that we were still there after we should have left. Our uni friends knew we were away for the weekend, but not where exactly, and no one would have been worried for another few days. Hard to imagine a more depressing and unglamorous way to die than wasting away in a lift in my grandmother's house with a boyfriend I'd break up with a year or so later. As a result, I wouldn't say I have a fear of lifts, but I do have a healthy wariness of them, and I would 100% rather be wandering the back rooms for all eternity than to starve to death in a stuck lift. And to answer the question that everyone asks after I tell this story, amazingly enough, the whole time we were in there, neither of us needed to pee. Maybe it was adrenaline or something, but the second we were out, we were fighting each other to get to the bathroom. Oh, and despite our fretting, the candles had all harmlessly burned themselves out overnight. Fourteen hours. And a half. I God. yelled just like you when I was reading this. I said, <gasps> no. that is so long so many hours not to be able to sit or for me go to the bathroom one or two oh my gosh not to mention you're just panicking and it's a small uh, elevator this is the kind of shit that that really scares me because Mm -hmm. this is the weird just out you know you're just doing something normal you're like oh let's just run downstairs real quick and then something like this happens luckily you guys made it out But this is like that weird, just bizarre way to die that you wouldn't even think of. And that's why it's so scary to me because we all are like, okay, we see a a group of unsavory looking characters in this alley at night. Probably not a good idea to walk down it. But that's like, you know that it's a dangerous situation. This you're like, oh, we just need to run downstairs and get something. You don't even think twice about it. So how do you protect yourself from it? You don't. We're all vulnerable. Well, 
nowadays we have cell phones. Parents yeah. and I were talking about this. What were we watching? Some television show or movie. But I said, is it a trauma response that I almost always have my watch and my phone on me at all times? If I get up and go to the bathroom at a restaurant, I take my phone with me. Because I'm like, what if a fucking mass shooting starts and I'm having to hide mm-hmm. in the bathroom and I don't have my phone? Like, I at least want to have some communication to try mm-hmm. to, you know, help or something. That is sad that that's like where my brain goes. No, but I'm I, or, the same way. Or I go into the bathroom and the stall door locks and I get stuck in there and I can't get out. You know, mm-hmm. it's a floor-to-ceiling door for some reason I can't get out or whatever. So I do always take that. But like she said, this was back in the day. You didn't have cell phones Mm-mm. back then. 14 and a half hours. And all the things she listed off would be all the things going through my mind. Nobody knows where we're at mm-hmm. that could that would call. They know that we're going to be gone, so they're not going to call for several more days. Nobody's going to come to this house and find us in the flat. Like, no one's going to see a car out front and be like, that's car. that car's been there for it's a while. A, it's Weird. honestly the plot to a horror movie, 100%. Barbarian. We were watching Barbarian. That's when it came up. But I told Paris, I said, everywhere I go constantly in my life, I always have a phone. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, like I'm usually like a watch. Sometimes, you know, a pen and paper. I keep them in my side pocket. <laughs> so you, so you never to know. the outside world if you get stuck. <laughs> Just write a note, crumple it up in a ball and throw it. Throw or you it never know. and hope the wind takes it to where it needs to be. <laughs> Go get it, pigeon. Take it. (laughs) Nope. It just ate it. Well, there it goes. It's gone. That was the last of the paper. But no, I totally, like Jess said, doesn't make you never take an elevator again, but damn, you sure look at them sideways like, when's the last time you've been inspected? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially those old elevators like she's describing where it's like the accordion type (laughs) door that you open and it's that metal grate, probably just like little diamonds in between the metal and that's how the light's coming through, you know? Don't fuck with old elevators the stanley elevator in s's park it's it's modernized but boy it's small Mm -hmm. i mean sometimes when you go to those old the adolphus is the same way tiny ass old elevator that's just like back in the day this was just metal open metal Mm -hmm. Ugh. well you survived just thank god yeah yeah for sure well this next one also it's literally called a narrow escape and it is from sarah Hi, ladies. I've submitted a story before, but just remembered that I had another story I could share with you all. This one has to do with a brush with a crime, and a pretty scary one at that. When I was a kid, my family lived overseas in Indonesia, where my parents did tsunami relief work after the 2004 tsunamis. While there in 2005, we took a trip to Bali for a week just to relax, since the work my parents did was quite stressful and took a serious toll on their mental health. We arrived safely and checked into our hotel. We spent a couple of days enjoying the island and relaxing at the beach or at the hotel's pool, as one does on vacation. One night we planned on going out to eat at a place that Westerners tended to hang out at during the evenings, but after a long day, my parents were very tired and decided to stay in. The next day, my parents' email, this was in the days before social media had really taken off, mind you, were bombarded with terrified messages from friends and family asking if we were okay, if we were alive. Apparently, there had been bombings in Bali the night before, and 20 people were killed and many more injured in the very place we'd planned to go before my parents decided that they were tired and wanted to have a nice night in, watching movies instead. I believe it was a Scooby-Doo marathon, if I'm not mistaken. I only vaguely remember it. I was only in the fifth grade at the time, but my parents told me that people panicked and fled the island after that. But we decided to stay because the attack had already happened. So the likelihood of anything else happening was very low, in their reasoning. So we stayed and managed to enjoy a very deserted Bali for the remainder of our stay. 
and even had the most amazing time at a water park the next day. I have very positive memories of our time in Bali. However, I feel conflicted and somewhat haunted because I know such a terrible thing happened while we were there. And had my parents not decided we should stay in, we could have been caught in the blast. It's another sliding door moment, I guess. Wow. Things like that get you. I think people that are close to or like almost boarded a plane that ended up Mm -hmm. crashing or was almost went to work at a place or almost final destination style. Yeah, it gives you it definitely gives you a guilt because you see how much pain everybody's family is in all the victims families are in and you think that could have easily been my family. I could easily have not been here. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly I think she hit the nail on the head that it's a sliding door moment that Mm -hmm. it just so happens that your parents weren't feeling it that night. It just so happens y'all went home and it shows you how precious life is. Yeah. And kudos to your parents for such amazing work, too. That definitely takes a toll on your mental health. So you go on vacation to help, and then the most stressful thing that can happen ends up happening. Right. That you think, well, this will go away from the, you know, this area that's been ravaged by a natural disaster, only then to have a human, a man made disaster mm-hmm. happen right in your wake. Well, the next one we have is from Montana. And the subject line is, the time I died and saw my sister enjoying candy. Hi, ladies. Love your show and both of you. I had the great opportunity to meet both of you at your Raleigh live show this year. I was the one who spewed word vomit all over the place, then was so nervous meeting you both. I was shaking while getting a picture with you. Please forgive me for my awkwardness. I have extreme social anxiety, and that was a milestone event for me. I drove three hours to see your show alone and spoke to people I didn't know. I met so many cool people. Anyway, on to the time I died. After a particularly fun-filled day at my grandfather's house circa 1995, my mother packed my twin sister and myself up for the short ride home. We were buckled up in the back, red velvet-covered seats in my mom's car. Don't ask me what kind it was. I was five. And suddenly, in the middle seat, my sister and I discovered a bag of cherry hard candies that my older brother had left there. The excitement and joy I experienced upon this discovery has never been surpassed to this day. I recently bought a hog log. That is a hog that was whittled out of a log that almost beat the joy out of finding this candy, but didn't quite make it. As you can imagine, my sister and I immediately began begging our mother to have just just one, please, just one. My mother refused for what felt like an eternity, but it couldn't have been more than two minutes. With permission granted, we both chose one piece and popped that delicious cherry goodness into our little mouths. However, my joy would be short-lived. Within seconds of putting the little round candy in my mouth, I sucked it down my windpipe. I began to choke and turned from red-faced to purple. My mother didn't know the Heimlich maneuver, so she pulled over and began trying to wave people down as they drove past us. Meanwhile, my sister is idly standing by, enjoying her piece of candy, as I begin to fade from the lack of oxygen on the side of the road. No one was stopping to help the rapidly purple-turning child. My mother made the decision to jump back in the car and drive back to my grandfather's house. I'm blacked out at this point. The next thing I see is myself being dumped onto the kitchen table, like I was above myself and could see down at my lifeless body on the table. I could see my mother panicking, my oblivious sister still sucking away on her candy, and my grandfather standing over me. Then I saw my grandfather, who apparently didn't know the Heimlich maneuver either, reach down my throat and extract the candy by hand. And bam, just like that, I was now on the kitchen table, no longer hovering above everyone. So yeah, 
I died once and saw myself being saved. Thanks for reading, and I can't wait to see you both at another live show. I also attached an image of my sister and I around that age that this occurred. Enjoy the twin cuteness. I the picture is very cute. They are in matching little plaid dresses with their cute little brown bobs. I you know, the power of being a twin, I've been told is is something and maybe the twin was just like she's got this or maybe wow. the twin was like way to make it again about you, Montana. <laughs> Either it's way, true. I'm very glad that your grandfather was able to get that out. That's so scary. Hard candy. Ooh, that's on my list of things that I'm always so paranoid about the kids eating. Right? It's like a, it's fine for them to have a sucker. You know, you got the stick attached. But when you have something like that, that's almost essentially just a round marble mm-hmm. that you could block your whole windpipe. Grandpa just was like, fuck it, I'm going that's in. That's what you do. I, uh, you I A girl I went to high school with, I remember she posted something about, her and her little girl were at the nail salon, and her little girl, I think, was eating a peppermint hard candy, mm. and the same thing happened. And the nail tech reached in her in her throat and got it out. Damn. I like it. This the is kids. a p- PSA to learn the Heimlich. If you can't, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. But um, everyone, I think, it benefits us to know the Heimlich. Have you ever had to perform the Heimlich or had it performed on you? Not on myself, but my mom is a Mesquite, City of Mesquite two-time hero for her work at the elementary school where I went. And she worked as a luncher monitor and two different kids on two different occasions choked on. I believe the one that she got the award was for choking on an enchilada. And she nice. she said she's like, the kids would talk. This and was talk an and actual talk. award? Yeah, they, the city council gave her oh, like a, an nice. award. Oh, nice. I thought like, you were just saying she, you know, deserves an award. But she got one, even better. She both deserved it and got one. Yeah, the kid was, you know, they're all talking and cutting up and everything. And she heard that's their job is to be like, you know, be quiet and eat. And then you can talk after you eat. But, you know, sometimes you got to go over and get on to them. And she said that kid was, you know, you go, they go from being real animated and moving to like, and then the Mm -hmm. kids around them all started freaking out. And she's like, get out of the way. And then got in there and and like got him. But there's also some uh, a tra- contraption I saw on the internet too for kids that yeah. will like suck it out of their throats yeah, too. Yeah, it can be used for adults too. I've seen it oh, too. Yeah. My mom had to do the Heimlich on me at the dinner table when I was little because I choked on chicken spaghetti. Damn. Yep. You love her, your mom's chicken spaghetti. I know. Spaghetti. I didn't dirty. stop eating it. I'll tell you that. Still <laughs> eat it to this day. Had it, had it not too long ago. Well, it's still good. Well, thank you, Montana. We're glad you're safe. And uh, be careful with those hard candies. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next one is from Heather. Not me, but what's up? Subject line is grocery store creep turned murderer. Hello, ladies and fellow gentle listeners. I love you guys. You're my favorite podcast to listen to while I craft. I have many stories of the paranormal that I'll want to send in later. But so far, knock on wood, this is my only brush with true crime. Let's get into it. I live in the region a collection of small cities, towns, and farmland in northwest Indiana near Chicago. In 2010, I was 24 and hired for a part-time job at a small grocery store. It was your standard grocery retail job. You check out groceries, argue over expired coupons, fake a smile for everyone comes through your line. We had our fair share of creeps trying to get to the young, pretty cashiers to go on dates with them, customers struggling with alcohol abuse, and people who just gave you the willies. 
One of these men we would refer to, as cruelly as it sounds now, by referencing a growth on his face whenever we needed to talk about feeling creeped out to each other after an interaction with him since we didn't know his name. He was in his late 40s, early 50s, balding, and had the standard scowly, droopy face of a guy who had a hard life and survives off hungry man meals and cheap beer. And he had a protruding growth on his cheek, like he was holding an egg in his cheek. He never really spoke, but just gave all of us cashier girls a weird feeling when working the customer service desk because he would stare at us whenever he was in the store. And sometimes he would go through the whole checkout without saying anything, his expression never changing. I stayed there for a few years, working up to shift lead as well as other departments, and eventually applied and was promoted to the corporate office. I was sad to leave all my coworkers there, but not sad to leave behind the customers. In July of 2017, I left the company and got hired at the local library. It was and still is perfect for me. I've never been happier. One of our jobs in the morning is to take down the old newspapers and put out the new ones. I can't remember when it happened, but I remember heading over to the display and seeing a familiar, scowly, droopy face staring back at me with the noticeable growth on his cheek. That guy from my days at the grocery store. Turns out he was on trial for murder. And now I know his name, Christopher Dillard. He was later convicted and sentenced to 65 years for stabbing a 24-year-old female coworker from the bar they worked at. He stabbed her 20 times after her shift ended and hid her body in her car where she was found the next morning. He claims he was partying rough on cocaine and admitted on a call to his girlfriend that he, quote, killed that girl, and he wasn't sure if she'd take him back. It happened a few months before I started the job at the library, and I hadn't heard anything about it since I wasn't really following local news. It sends a shiver down my spine when I think about it, and all the times he would stand in line and stare at me and the other young women who were cashiers. Thanks for reading, and keep it creepy. So you said you looked it up. We found the article, and it was in January of 2020, 65 years in prison, uh, was the sentence for Mr. Dillard. He was 53 at the time. He killed his 23-year-old coworker, Nicole Gland. Uh, they were both at work in 2017, and it was a three-week trial. I guess he was a bouncer at the bar. He also uh, had confessed on videotape. They threw that out uh, for some sort of evidentiary reasons, but he was still convicted, mm -hmm. uh, especially given all the, the significant other images or other evidence that they had. It's... So it was horrifying. Yeah. And the article talks about her family and friends giving victim impact statements at the trial and reading the quotes from her parents is so sad. It's and so, yeah. uh, he admitted, but like you said, it was thrown out, but he was convicted for stabbing her over 20 times. He left her in her SUV and then she was found the next morning. And the article said it was because she rejected his sexual advances. Yeah, and his DNA was on her as mm -hmm. well. So I yeah. think it was a pretty airtight case. That is so heartbreaking for mm -hmm. her that she's just trying to work. And it's one, it's kind of a long line of cases, sadly, that we keep seeing that somebody has a, a co uh, an older male colleague that's making them uncomfortable at work. And, and this is that taken to the absolute mm -hmm. extreme. It's horrifying. Yeah, and you're right. We've seen a pattern of that a lot. And the last one, there was the the boss kind of stepping in with this sadly she it was just her and him in the the parking lot and he did the unthinkable and 
uh, rot in prison forever. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Heather. And thank you for what you do at the local library. It's a very important job. This next one is from Kelso, and they write, That wasn't me. Pet sitting and the paranormal. Hi, ladies. Listening to y'all kept me sane while I was on bed rest after several injuries last year. Well, the story I'm about to tell you made me question that very sanity. To give everyone some context, I'm a pet sitter and often spend the night with pets when their owners are away. I've stayed in some very old, creepy houses. I always wondered if I'd experience anything in those. Turns out, those were not the houses I needed to worry about. Now, let's get into it. A few weeks ago, I was staying over at a condo, not an old building, with two adorable dogs. I'd stayed with them once before, and the only thing notable was a heavy-footed upstairs neighbor. That night, my friend came with me because I was having a rough day and didn't want to be alone. I got to the condo before her. When I went to open the door, my key broke in half in the doorknob. I noted it was peculiar, but didn't think much of it after the owner's mom brought a new key. My friend arrived shortly after. I mentioned the key, but it was quickly forgotten about as we started our night. Later, we were searching for my phone. I'm digging through my bag, and my friend is about three feet away with her back to me. I turn to show her something from my bag, and just as I'm about to say her name, I hear someone whisper her name. She starts to turn around and says, that was weird. She sees my eyes about to pop out of my head, and I struggle to get the words out of my mouth. That wasn't me. At this point, she just keeps repeating no over and over again. I quickly find my phone and we hurry outside for a much needed cigarette. As I'm about to close the door, my friend jokes that I should grab the key so the ghost doesn't lock us out. I grab the key and I shit you not, when we get to the bottom of the stairs, click. As we smoke, we both describe the whisper and where it came from. It all matched up. It was an inquisitive whisper, as if someone recognized her and was trying to confirm it was her. It had come from between us, about a half foot above my head. My friend kept rushing me to go back in. I thought it was strange she was so compelled to return, despite her name having been whispered. We get back to the door, and sure enough, it was locked. My stomach sinks as I go to unlock it, and suddenly, I feel like something pushed past me. My ponytail suddenly swings to the other side of my head. Nope. I jump back and give my friend the key. Once inside, we try to debunk the whisper. We couldn't. The rest of the night, my eyes are continuously drawn to a painting on the wall. Later on, my friend is looking at the painting and asks me to come try to read the signature. I read the name aloud, and she explains that was her grandfather's name, and she thought it was his painting. He was an artist who passed away several years prior. Her family inherited thousands of his paintings, which had all been gifted or donated across the Southeast. The painting on the wall appeared to be a portrait of my friend's grandmother, It didn't add up that the whisper was her grandmother. She was a mean lady and they were never close. The voice had sounded pleasantly surprised to see her. Suddenly, a light bulb goes off in my head. I say, how tall was your grandfather? She replies, a bit taller than you, why? Then her eyes got big as she realized that was exactly the height the whisper had come from. She had been a skeptic until recently when she started having experiences at her loft after moving in a bunch of her grandfather's paintings. Apparently, he was a huge prankster, which matched up with the activity at her place 
and the door locking behind us after her joke. My friend explained she felt comforted, not scared throughout that night. I can't say the same. They had been very close, and she had never got to say goodbye to him. It all made sense. He loved bad puns and limericks, so we read some in his honor. We haven't been able to confirm the painting was his, but the whole experience was just too coincidental and bizarre. It's safe to say my friend is now a believer, and we won't forget that night anytime soon. Sending y'all love from Atlanta always. Keep it creepy. Damn. <laughs> I mean, you put a lot of you put a lot of yourself into your art. You put a lot of especially a tangible piece of art like that. It's not a digital recording or a copy or something. It is a physical piece that your grandfather painstakingly spent time with. Stands to reason there's some energy attached to that, some type of vibration. Very coincidental, or perhaps not, that this person they were pet sitting for had a piece of art from the pet sitter's friend's grandfather. They think the whole world. There, it's 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 unsure, but uh, Kelso also sent a picture of the art. It's it's like um, uh, looks like pen, like ink and watercolor almost uh it's very good um of like a, a a woman's portrait but yeah that's maybe your grandfather was like well what a, i'm surprised to see you here right like beverly it's you <laughs> i'm assuming kelso's friend's name is beverly beverly yeah. beverly mm-hmm. it's also just a fun word to say wasn't kelso from that 70s show that is yeah what I was that was ashton kutcher what was um not Mila. Yeah, Mila Kunis's name on there. Jackie. Jackie. So maybe the friend's name was Jackie. It was Jackie Kelso. <laughs> well, we do appreciate you sharing that, Kelso. And uh, man, that that's a brave thing. I have a, a cousin of mine does pet sitting, and I'm like, I used to do pet sitting into people's houses. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, what if it's like weird? And she's like, I mostly stay in the living room. It's not too weird, <laughs> yeah. but. I used to pet sit and I was, I never had a weird encounter. I did pet sit for one woman. She was my favorite client. And she had, in addition to, I think she had six dogs. She also had a couple of rats, which I didn't have to do anything with, but they were in a cage in the same room as the dogs. And I, I've gotten better, but at the time, uh, fear doesn't begin to describe how I would feel around rats. It was like a phobia. I would get very panicky and sweaty. I was terrified of them, even to look at them. So whenever I would have to go in, I'd have to like shield my eyes from their cage and like let nothing. the dogs out. Uh, I'm better. I'm I'm less scared of them now. So that's good. But yeah, um, yeah I never encountered anything bizarre either. Yeah, it's usually you're just like in the living room and. It was great because you get to see these cute little pets, and sometimes they were pets you didn't have. There was a guinea, a couple guinea pigs, a hamster. Damn. Uh, with w- there was a hamster in addition to dogs. It wasn't just the hamster I was caring for. <laughs> I think that yeah, I never really had like a super weird pet that I had to had to sit, but it was fun. They're like, this is our python, Charlie. <laughs> This is our alligator. Please mind the moat. <laughs> He's really friendly. Yeah. And I had to feed him a live chicken every day. None of that. Oh. So, well, but um, it's a very good service. And, you know, if you don't like people, but you love animals, it's a good job for you. Well, it sounds like a win. And especially if your grandpa ghost can show up. Yeah. Everybody wins. <laughs> then, then, yeah. 
Well, thank you all for sending in these stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you've had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into a tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And patrons that are getting into a tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment they would like us to see, they would like to see us live stream each month. We've got three streams this month, December 13th, December 28th, December 29th all at 8 p.m central the 13th we're doing hallmark after dark which is our movie roasting party we pick a cheesy holiday movie talk over it like mystery science theater 3000 riff tracks kind of thing the 28th we're doing our live q a where you ask us anything top 20 questions get answered and the 29th we're going to do our bonus content live stream stay tuned to patreon to see what you're going to vote on and if you like voting on stuff the getting into it tier patrons also get to vote on a monthly, on an episode we release on the the main feed each month. This month, they had the opportunity to vote on some heavy-hitting cases that are going to be a two-parter. We had the disappearance of Maura Murray, the death of Phoebe Hanschuk, and the Bardstown, Kentucky murders. I believe Phoebe Hanschuk has been selected, so mm-hmm. we will be doing a two-parter this month on that, if you want to have a say in, in things like that, then go to patreon.com slash sinisterhood. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We help on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option of paying pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. And annual memberships for all tiers are also available. This is the gift that keeps on giving. If you buy an annual membership, you get rewarded with a free month of membership. So you pay for 11 months, you get the 12th month free, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and you can gift it to the Sinisterhood fan in your life or yourself. Right? Don't just get presents for others. Treat yourself. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Well, I've got a new shirt for you to take a selfie in. If you go to (laughs) SinisterHood.com slash shop or click shop on the top banner, you will see we have an all-new logo tee available for pre-order. It is a black shirt with the classic Sinisterhood logo blammo right on the chest. So you you know, like I said. purple looks slick together. We got black and purple. We got some skulls with the headphones on. It's the classic logo. You can pre-order it now. It will start shipping around December 12th, which should be enough time to get it before the holidays. If not, there's also selections on different shipping dates if you're listening to this later. But mm-hmm. go to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner and get the new shirt. And you can also get the classics. We got beanies, hoodies, mugs, totes, and we'll have more designs coming in 2023. But snag these before it's too late yeah. for holidays. <laughs> The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell the friend who you think would like us to check us out. 
You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Follow us on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Where are you, Christy? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister. Hope.